0: Well, we are addressing some of the biggest philosophies in our world today, and we're in a series called How to Destroy the World in 10 Simple Steps. We started by looking at what is kind of foundational for modern philosophy, modern worldview, which is Mm postmodernism, which undermines any sort of sense of objective truth. And today we're going to look at Marxism.
1: Yeah. So Marxism... It's really a political and social ideology that's really the basis or foundation for uh, socialism, communism, or even progressivism, um, depending on how much that is applied to a okay. society. But yeah, it was developed by Karl Marx, and it really focuses on the disparities between classes, and it seeks to remedy those disparities through the government intervening uh, on a society. And essentially the argument is there's this ruling class. It's generally the rich, right? And they're oppressing this lower class. And the only remedy for that is the government coming in, this ultimate authority, stepping in and creating equality of outcome for all people. Yeah. And really it's the goal is to create this homogenous utopia, eliminating all classes, all private property, any differences among a people group.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So at first, so for a lot of people at first glance, that sounds like not that bad, right? Yeah. Okay, so somebody has a billion dollars and someone has zero dollars. So, you know, why not even that out? Mm-hmm. Um, this this worldview has implications for Christians, though, right? And so, uh, you know, I've even heard people argue from Acts chapter two in the early church where they're sharing everything in common that Christianity is pro-communism or pro-socialism. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of implications here about this viewpoint. But what are some of the main tenets of Marxism? Again, there's you know many many books written on the topic, so we're trying to just kind of briefly yeah, touch br- on it. But yeah, what are very some of the brief. main
1: tenets? Uh, well, first, right, Marxism seeks to create a secular utopia. This is like the goal of Marxism. It's teaching us as humans we have the capacity to create this perfect society where people can do what they want. They can. Uh, do what they love to do, and no one will go without anything uh, they need. Right, yeah. Every need will be filled. And the way that it's accomplished is through elimination of private property. Everyone shares everything. Equal distribution of wealth. Uh, everyone makes the same amount of money. And everyone contributing to the collective good. And as Christians, if we look at the Bible and look back in human history, we can all see that that's a bad idea, and it's a foolish one. We can't do it. Yeah, yeah, and. Absolutely. First, I mean, the Bible recognizes private property.
0: 100%. Yeah, it's
1: the literally the eighth commandment God gives us: "Thou shalt not steal." Yeah. <laughs> right. You can't steal something unless that thing is owned by someone else. Yeah. Right. So the Bible.
0: So there's there's private property, and I would say that also uh, applies to the government. The government can't steal. Yeah. From people. Totally. There is a proper role for taxes, as we see in the Bible, but not taking everything from somebody exactly. and saying, I know better than you do. So, yeah, so it undermines that for sure. Yeah.
1: And second, the Bible teaches that we're made to work, mm-hmm. right? And if we're unwilling to work, we shouldn't get paid or provided for, let alone get paid someone that contributes a lot to society, yeah, right? The same, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Like Second Thessalonians 3.10 says, if anyone in the church doesn't want to work, then you don't feed them. Right, you don't feed them if they're unwilling to work. It's it's
0: amazing how that will change someone's perspective. <laughs> yeah, right. And of course, it's talking about people that are able-bodied and healthy totally. and all that. Yeah, right. But yeah, if you don't work, you don't eat. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's it, it, that's a real motivator to get you out <laughs> yeah. there and get that minimum wage job.
1: And one of the most shocking verses, I think, First Timothy five, it literally says, "If you're unwilling to provide for your household, that that person is worse than an unbeliever, yeah. and they actually reject." The faith, they've denied the faith. Yeah, I mean, you have to work. That's the Bible is clear about that. And third, humans are inherently sinful. Right, we're incapable of creating this perfect society. We can't have a collective good if we're individually not good. Yeah, right. It's just it's, it's as simple yeah. as that. Right. It's, it's not like
0: when you get a million sinful people together, they're less sinful. Yeah, or something. it's cra- yeah, it yeah, cancel that out.
1: And as Christians, we're looking to we're not supposed to be looking to humans or the government to create this perfect society, but we're looking for Christ when he mm-hmm. comes back to reign with perfect peace, righteousness, and justice. And the whole reason he came to earth was to reveal his kingdom and to provide his people that hope for a perfect kingdom that he'll establish, not us.
0: So Good. So, so first, Marxism seeks to create a secular utopia. Mm-hmm. What are some other tenets of Marxism?
1: Yeah, I would say the second one would be Marxism is primarily concerned with the physical world. This is something I hear a lot. Um, And Christians are supposed to be concerned with the spiritual world, right? The whole reason Marxism exists is because people are upset about not having this one thing or something physical that another group of people has, right? Whether it be money or house or whatever. Privilege. Yeah, privilege. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And this was a huge argument Karl Marx made. He said that if you don't meet the physical needs of man, then... Until equality of outcome was met, the spiritual aspect of life like means nothing. Like, mm. Don't even look for it, because the physical needs to be met first. And if you don't have that physical thing met, whatever it is, you're just an oppressed person. And as Christians, our job isn't to think about the physical world primarily. It's to think about the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. Right? The Christian position is that you can have every material possession you could ever want and still have nothing if you don't know Christ. Right, Mark. Jesus says in Mark eight thirty six, "For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul?" Mm-hmm. You can have everything in the world, and if you don't know Christ, it's it means nothing. Yeah. And on the flip side, you could have literally nothing. You could literally be killed, imprisoned, hungry, poor. I mean, this was Paul's life. But if you have Christ, you have everything you could ever want, and hope for. Yeah. One of my favorite verses, Second Corinthians four. 16 through 18 says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal.
0: Hmm. That's awesome. (laughs) Great verse. Yeah, that's a great verse. Yeah. So what else in terms of the tense of Marxism?
1: Lastly, I'd say Marxism is inherently atheistic. And I've heard some people try to argue that it's not, but this was Karl Marx's like main thing was yeah. like you can't have God in an athe in a perfect society. And the reason for that is because he believed the government needed to be the highest point of authority for a yeah. society. So essentially you're not really removing God fully, but you're making the government yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. Essentially. It's the state's job to provide everything that a society needs, like food, health care, protection, but most importantly, the society's moral code. right? It's the government who determines what's right and what's wrong. And that's incompat- incompatible with Christianity, right? We as Christians are supposed to look to God as revealed in the Bible for a moral compass, moral compass, right? He's our supreme authority, not the government. And we're actually called to, be so obedient to God, even if that means we have to disobey the government. Yeah, and Marxism doesn't like that. They don't <laughs> want you to disobey them. The only uh, competition. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, and if the government can eliminate Christianity or religion in general and make itself the god of their people, they can control whatever they want to do. You can do whatever you want with the group of people if they're your if they're God to you, essentially. No. Yeah. yeah.
0: So. Very interesting. Yeah, and, and so Marxism really, I mean, you kind of touched on this, but Marxism really violates all of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. So no other gods before me? Well, Marxism tends to put government in the place of God, that it is the supreme authority that gives all the answers, and that can solve every problem. That's that's called God. Yeah. And government is obviously no good at that. No. we <laughs> have seen it, you know, but that's what it claims about. It sets up an idol right in the form of government. It uh, obviously, it devalues human life. Yeah. That the amount of deaths in Marxist dictatorships in the last 100-ish years have totaled over 100 million deaths. Yeah, they're really so good at really people. Good. Yeah, so yeah. if anyone says to you, oh, religion causes deaths, um, it's a drop in the bucket, com- you know, all the religious wars combined compared to one century Marxist, of Marxism. Yeah. Um, obviously, personal property and the violation of that um the destruction of family of father and mother very often it wants to take kids away from parents mm-hmm. to be raised by the state and then the last commandment of course you you shall not covet or envy yeah i mean marxism really is all about coveting yeah and, and desiring what somebody else has and so it constantly is pitting groups against each other and saying well those group that group's your enemy because they have more in Than some you. way yeah, yeah. exactly so in the past we saw a lot of that with economic Marxism, right? Mm-hmm. There's the rich and there's the poor. So the, the proletariat have to rise up against, right, the, the wealthy. Yeah. But now it's more of cultural Marxism. Yep. Right, which is uh, different, you know, ethnic groups maybe, or different statuses, or different, you know, assists. Person, Cisgendered, right? yeah. Yeah, versus a... They have this uh, privilege
1: uh, that you need yeah, in order LGBT. to succeed. Yeah. yeah,
0: so there are certain people that have privilege, they have status, they have influence, whatever. And so the way to even that out is... Well, there's all kinds of ways. Yeah. But it really is to kind of um, force people into certain places, right? Yeah. And so we're going to see that in, in implications of a lot of these critical theories in the coming weeks. Really at the expense of others, too. Yes. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like we yeah. just... I mean, we, we just saw... In um, what right now, currently in San Francisco, do you see this, mm-hmm. that they're trying to pass a bill in San Francisco that because of, you know, historic racism right, or something like that, um, that black Americans have been treated worse than white Americans, which in many cases has been true. They're saying each black person in each black adult in San Francisco is going to get five million dollars cash <laughs> and then a hundred thousand dollars a year for the rest of their lives and a house for a dollar. And so that right, so you can insane. see that, you know, some form of the Marxist philosophy yeah. in action of, of course, that's just going to cause more <laughs> hatred, more division, more yeah. resentment, more envy, more, co- right. All of that. It's not going to fix anything because that's so uh, outrageous. Yeah. But that's kind of the solution is always, well, the government has to come in and, and take fix from one to yeah. give to another. Yeah. And all they end up doing is causing more way, problems, way more damage. Yeah. Yeah it's all envy
1: it's terrible yeah and i think envy is really the biggest implication of marxism right we you kind of already saying it but it's looking at this people group that's oppressing you and saying you need what they have you want it so let's revolt (laughs) and take it you know like it's it's crazy it feeds into jealousy it feeds into envy it causes people to hate others right on the base of race gender religion and it's just unbiblical right like We as people are supposed to be praising and thanking God for what he's given us, not looking at what he hasn't given us and saying, oh, like, I want that. Give it to me now. Like, it's just terrible.
0: Yeah, because God has blessed us in so many ways. Yeah. But it's always easy. It's always easy to look and say, someone else has more than me. I want what they have. It's amazing that Marxism has flourished so often. It's flourishing right now in the wealthiest country in the world, America, and in the wealthiest pockets of the wealthiest country in the world, which are universities, right? Predominantly like wealthy universities that are dominated by Marxism. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is people feel guilty Guilty. for their own wealth and their own success. And so the the, the answer is not to sacrifice and to give of your own free will and of your own riches, but it's to say, I'm going to vote for that guy who will force everyone else to give. (laughs) It's kind of a cheap way to... To moral superiority. Yeah. Interesting. So let's talk about um Acts chapter two. So weren't the early Christians communists? Um we see in Acts chapter two that the the early Christians are sharing all things in common, right? They're so they're selling their land, they're selling their possessions, and they're giving it to the apostles, and the apostles are distributing to those who are in need, and that no one has any lack in the early church. So I've just heard it said so many times. Well, maybe communism isn't the best thing, but Christianity is communist. Yeah. Yeah. Christian, like they're voting for Bernie Sanders here, right? I mean, come on, this is socialism. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And I guess there's two things I'd say about that. And the first is that in Acts 2, we see people give out of generous hearts and a love for God and others, right? That's incredibly different from the government stepping in and taking everything you own and distributing it amongst everyone. Right in the in that scenario, people aren't willingly giving. Someone's just coming in and taking, and it might be given to people who aren't willing to work or contribute to society. Yeah, um, yeah. And here it's saying all who believed were together and had all things in common. They all shared and gave willingly. Not some, not some worked. Not some didn't. But they all have this heart of. God, thank you so much for saving me and blessing me. Let me bless others and bless these people.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and think about the difference in terms of the own your own spiritual walk and the joy you get when you get to work hard to provide for someone else and to yeah. freely give as God intended. Versus, right, and we we see in in, uh, in uh, Second Corinthians this emphasis on God loves a cheerful giver. giver right, yeah. God wants you to give out of the abundance that he's given to you, when the government comes in and forces you, what it what it does is it doesn't encourage giving, doesn't encourage hard work. It discourages it. Yeah. Because the person who works doubly hard um, is is just gonna receive the same as the person who doesn't work at all. Exactly. So what's what's the point? And it's not
1: about what can I give, it's about what the government can give to me. Right. It's like and that's I mean that's unbiblical, right? Where it says it's greater to give than to receive. I mean that's the whole posture of the Christian heart. Yeah, exactly.
0: So so yeah, how can we become people that are fruitful to give to others? Yeah.
1: And then secondly, I'd say, uh, this uh, scenario we see in Acts two is or this model we see in Acts two is a great model we should follow, but it's also should be taken in light of the in light of the context of other verses in scripture yeah. which tell us, like I we mentioned them earlier, but Second Thessalonians and Second Timothy, um, if people aren't willing to work. You don't feed them. You don't pay them. They're worse than an unbeliever. So you can't just take this verse out of context or this passage out of context and not uh, look at the prescriptive commands that Paul gives us telling us this is how the church ought to function.
0: Yeah, that's a great great point. Great point. Good. So we we see some of the the downfalls and how we respond as Christians and we're going to be getting into more of these philosophies I think in the next couple of weeks, it'll get really, really interesting. These are sort of the postmodernism and Marxism, sort of like the overarching philosophies. We're going to get into some of the specifics that I think you'll see are very uh, applicable to your life today.
1: Yeah, it'll be fun.